0: Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect.
1: And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to this week's show. Got a great show for you this week. Steve's going to be joining us with some great interviews. Jeremy and Gretchen will be with us in a moment on the news, and we're going to be doing a segment on the history of comic books. And I learned a lot from this. It was uh, something kind of fun to participate in. Ended up taking two weeks, so we'll get to the first part of that here in a little bit. You can now add user-friendly to your Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing. Just add the skill, and you'll get the latest for the week. Our news this week is sponsored by WeAreTechnology.com. Check out my friends at WeAreTechnology.com. They are standing by to help you get your website or your phone app updated for your business. Now's a good time to do it. Be ready for when you open. WeAreTechnology.com. What's in the news today? Google Maps now showing COVID-19
0: hotspots.
1: So this is a new feature that is a layer on Google Maps uh, that you can go in and see where the outbreaks are. The first version right now is the United States, although it's supposed to go worldwide the next little bit here, uh, the next little bit being the next couple of days. And the idea with this of where it originally came from was a way for journalists to be able to get this information in real time and be able to print, uh, display it, print it on their own articles, that kind of a thing. Embedded is what they call that. But the map is available to anybody that wants to use it. One of the things I like about it is it's almost like we're being deluged with information on this. And this is a way where you're in control. You can go on and see what you want or not see what you want, you know?
0: Exactly. Okay, uh,
1: .org top-level domain sale is currently on hold. Yeah, the Attorney General of the State of California had a bit of an objection to this. And no, no uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where this ends up. So .org classically was the domain extension for nonprofits and organizations, ORG, and that type of thing. So just to kind of give an explanation of what this is, is the internet runs where all websites end in an extension of some type, .com, .org, .net being some of the older ones. And there's a lot of new ones that are on the market now as they started running out of names. But What these all do is they give you a way to be able to register your domain name, and different companies own the registries for different extensions. Now, .org had a price cap that was taken off about a year ago that allowed it to be uh, more inexpensive for organizations. There was no specific uh, qualification like an EDU. You have to be an educational institution. You have to be able to show a syllabus, that type of thing, uh, where .org wasn't enforced to that level. But what happened is, is they wanted to sell it to a for-profit company uh, that could basically charge whatever they wanted for the different domain names. So a, d- a better one would cost more than one that maybe isn't as considered as popular or as easy to use. So uh-huh. the state of California has decided that this might be a bad idea, and they've put it on hold indefinitely. And we will let you know as soon as something changes here.
0: All righty. Hydrogen fuel cell drone flies for 331 minutes. Uninterrupted, and it sets a record. Yeah, Jeremy, what you were looking into this one? What did what did you find? Okay,
2: we have it's a, a Chinese company that was testing the the their drone fuel um, based systems, like which ones worked better, and they were go- going to fly for 240 minutes, you know, because they were testing it, and it 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 beat the record, and they're just kind of like, well, let's just see how long it goes. So they they did 331 minutes. Uh, it's one of the big one of the big drones so everybody's wondering it's one of the big six rotor ones it's a couple feet tall four or five feet wide and um they're just making making these things so they can figure out how long it can fly so if you have to take something from like one side of a city to another if it'll make it
1: so we've been hearing you know over the last couple of years that companies like amazon were going to go out and uh
2: start delivering packages with drones is this something kind of that would do that Yes, this is the size of a drone that would do that. And uh, while I was researching this, I came across another article where two hospitals in the Caribbean sent uh, medical so- samples from one island from St. Thomas to St. Croix with a drone. Oh, really? Okay. So they had managed to make it with 41 minutes left on its battery. Uh, this, this is like over open ocean. <laughs> and so they were able to deliver their supplies in a day. Whereas it would t- usually take a week to get it to the plane and get all the stuff
0: organized for it to fly. Well, and you know, that means it could be windy, too, because mm-hmm. usually the ocean is always breezy. Yeah. So. Well, in this era of contactless delivery right now
1: being a desired option, I could see where this would be something that could be pretty popular.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that sounds like it. that was a pretty significant um, achievement. Didn't um, a friend of ours have a hydrogen fuel cell car?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean these things have existed in one way or another uh, for a long time, but there hasn't been a lot of research and development until recently in these type of technologies. So it's good to see them see them out there. But you know, again, it competes with the oil companies. So a lot of times in the bigger market space, you don't necessarily see that in vehicles. Google issues warning for security flaw in Chrome. Yeah, this one this one affects about two billion installs of Chrome too. Oh no! So um, it's a big thing. They've issued a fix. Uh, As long as updates are turned on, it will get out to you. But basically, it was a situation where the hacker could get in and bypass pop-ups like the "Are you sure?" window, that kind of thing. Oh, good. uh, Which which (laughs) would be a problem. And from the technical level, the way that it worked is there was a a memory problem, so that from the outside, they could actually get into the memory of the browser and manipulate things, and um, and that would allow it to uh, do these things, bypassing the security and the warnings and, and some various other things. So. They fixed it. They pushed out the update. The only real reason you would need to worry about this now is if you don't have your auto updates turned on, it's a good time to update Chrome.
0: Okay. Samsung's new Eco packaging transforms into usable objects.
1: Okay. I want to hear about this. This is kind of cool. I think this is a good idea from Samsung. So you buy your new flat screen TV and have this giant box or buy your whatever and have this giant box. And what they've done is they've made the box... Break down into a kit so you can build a a house for your cat or, you know, something along those lines, make an object out of it. There's a number of different things that you can do with it. So what you end up doing is essentially recycle the cardboard, but do it in a way where it's
0: kind of a fun project. And, you know, kids used to play with cardboard boxes as forts and houses. <laughs> yes.
1: And that was one of the positive things growing up about CRT televisions is, is a kid I could fit in that box. A <laughs> flat screen TV, not so much. And, <laughs> But, uh, you know, some of these are some unique directions that some of the bigger companies are taking to try to get into the idea of eco-friendly. And um, on that note, one of the things that we're seeing with the lockdown Is that the skies have been a lot clearer all over the world and a lot of places that have had some of the worst air pollution uh, right now have a blue sky and it's beautiful and things. And hopefully people will start to like the idea of stuff being clean and doing a little bit more eco friendly. And this is one way when you use the box in this way, it doesn't have to be recycled. So it doesn't have to be transported to the recycling place and it doesn't have to go through that process. So. You know, and it's not that new of an idea, really. Henry Ford, when he was first manufacturing the first production line automobiles, required the measurements of the boxes at that, that time would, that shipments would come in because he would use them for the floor panels in the car after he took the products out. Oh, so that's uh, cool. So, that's where that came from. So, you know, like I say, it's not a new idea, but it's still a very good idea, I think. New York to allow Zoom weddings. Yeah, what do you think about getting married online like that? That's a little impersonal if you ask me. You know, I, 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 right yeah. now, it, it, obviously, this is designed to solve a problem. Right now, you can't have an in person wedding. You want to get married. So the state of New York has decided to issue marriage licenses to allow for a wedding using Zoom or, you know, an online video conferencing technology like that. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, personally, I think I would probably wait, although it would be up to what my fiance wants, wants to do kind of thing. Yeah. Kinda.
0: It's really, it's not something that I would really want to do, but I wouldn't want to keep others from having that option. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just, you know, it's interesting. Zoom has been in the news. Zoom, Zoom
1: is a Chinese owned company that uh, was actually not terribly well known before COVID. And um, they were uh, video conferencing and that type of a thing. And then all of a sudden their user base went up by thousands of percent. I mean, you know, just overnight because everybody was moved to uh, using video conferencing instead of using in-person and that type of a thing because we're all locked down. So they've had some security problems. We've talked about that before. They're getting a lot of it fixed. Um, But this idea of Zoom bombing is what they call it, where someone breaks into a video stream and uh, sends other information that's inappropriate. We talked about the porn information to the second graders and those kind of stories are popping up all over the place just because, again, it wasn't uh, really meant to be used by this many people. And the company itself has even admitted to this that, you know, they were really not – it just was not something that they anticipated or expected. So, you know, it's something to be careful about. And if you do use Zoom, use the normal precautions. Uh, have your password secured. If you've got a, uh authenticated account, uh, make sure that that password is, is guarded and that type of a thing. I'm finding because I do use Zoom that I change the password every you know couple of weeks uh, just to make sure that uh, that all of that stays secure. And right now, their settings do seem to be pretty good, but it is definitely a situation just just to be aware of. This is user friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break.
3: Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining us now is reporter Steve Mailer. Well, thank you, guys. I'm on location with uh, two aspiring filmmakers, one of whom I've worked with for about the last four or five years by the name of John Allen, and also a another very aspiring producer named Ivy Smith. So, guys, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for joining us here on User-Friendly. Thanks for having us, Steve. It's a pleasure. So, I'm learning that you're working on a 70-minute feature-length film. Is that correct? Uh, or, yes. I mean, I think you mentioned it was going to be- It's around
4: there. Um, okay. Timeline is still kind of changing with editing processes and we're stuff We're actually like that.
5: discussing, right before you came over, we're okay. actually discussing some- uh, Adding some stuff in to kind of get a little more towards seventy minutes is kind of on the border of feature
3: length. So, okay. but eighty or ninety is closer, right? So, um, what is the what's the working title of the film? Or can you re- can you? It is called that?
4: "The Scent of Betrayal." Oh, um, it's kind of that lifetime I don't want to say chick flick but um,
5: <laughs> I describe it as an erotic
3: thriller without any real sex or nudity in it. <laughs>
4: That's a good way of describing wow. it.
3: <laughs> That's a very interesting description. Well, you've already you've already gotten into what my next question was going to be is is what genre does it fall into? It sounds like it falls into multiple genres. It does. Okay.
4: Um it started out as uh a short and then it kind of morphed into a um feature and drama and mystery all kind of wow. rolled into one. That sounds so. kind of cool.
5: It was originally more of a drama, but as okay. we've gone along it's morphed a little more. There's a few thriller aspects to it. Nice.
3: Ooh, this is this sounds like fun. Um so I mean What is the what's the basic scenario? What's the basic storyline? Protagonist, antagonist? Like what's what is it that's happening in the film? Without giving too much away, if you can do that.
4: Um, So the best lawyer in the state leaves his wife um, for another woman, and this woman has a very dark secret. I don't want to give too much oh, away. No, but that's fine. Uh, Mysterious
5: past is Mysterious probably- Mysterious yeah, past, yeah. good, thank you. Good call,
4: John, good call. Uh, <laughs> and through uh, the actions of his ex-wife and his actions, okay. it creates a whole dynamic and- what am I missing? Uh, uh,
5: just about everything. Uh,
4: <laughs> Your yes yeah. synopsis. So Basically,
5: a guy leaves his wife. She's a very successful fashion designer. Okay. And he's a successful lawyer. He leaves her for another woman and uh-huh. it kind of comes out of the blue for her. And then as the movie goes along, we're introduced to different characters, a detective named Cal okay. and his brother. And what happens is as the movie goes along, there is a serial killer. Ooh. Who is actually killing people as a go line? And it turns out it is someone they're intimately familiar with.
3: Okay, what was did? Um, you wrote the story. I did. What was what was your inspiration for for the story that you wrote?
4: Originally, it started out with a dead fish in my fish tank. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um. <laughs> we get inspiration from the most interesting places, we do. don't we? We
4: really okay. do. Um, that kind of. Sp- Started the basis, and then as I started building the characters and their backstories, it evolved into something completely different. Wow. And then when I showed John, he was like, we need to develop these a little bit more. You know, let's flush these characters out a little bit. Okay. It's been very collaborative. She comes to
5: me, uh, editing especially, she would come to me and she'll Uh look at it and I'll say, well, I think this scene may be more effective if it occurred after this other scene and okay. so we kind
3: of been shuffling scenes around yes. or whatever trying to give it more of a flow okay wow that is r- so are you um so ivy you're the producer are you the executive producer of the film or yes are you also directing it i am wow okay and john what hats are you wearing on the crew uh i'm a cinematographer
5: okay um
3: I basically do all the blocking when we shoot. You know, you stand here, you stand there, and and you also like set lighting for the. I mean, you're creating the lighting, lighting and everything like that. But the only thing I don't have a hand in at all is the audio because I'm not a big
5: audio guy. Sure, but uh, uh, it's really Ivy's baby. Uh, She's done a lot. She's done some great uh, work on using After Effects. Ooh,
3: and there's uh, a lot of
4: After Effects in nice.
3: it. Nice. Okay. So, yeah, it's kind of a way to kind of let you know what's going on. And, and, and when you say using After Effects, are you saying are you meaning in the in the, in the creation of visual effects in the film? Correct. Or? Okay. Um,
4: there are a couple times where we jump in time and, um, wear a... Sp- Certain character is thinking back to another conversation he like had, like a
3: flashback. Pretty much, okay.
4: And um, we used visual effects to create that nice. okay. uh, that feeling.
5: Okay, it's also used as a segue. Uh, we're kind of trying to show the timeline of the serial killer's actions, okay. and so every once in a while, the single pop in. Nice, you know it's it's kind of akin to the old forty spinning newspaper <laughs> yes. thing, yeah, uh, something like
3: that. <laughs> yeah. No, that I'm. Uh... Okay, so where are you in the process of? Are you in principal? Are you in doing principal photography right now? Or are you still in a pre-production phase? We are actually in post. You're al- you've already shot. We you've have already, already
4: pretty much shot oh everything. Okay. Um there is one or two scenes that we decided. Uh, this we were talking
5: <laughs> earlier. That about okay. We
4: need to add in. Just to
5: clarify yeah. a few things. Just kind just of round small. out some of the edges of the story. Exactly. Yeah, well, okay. there's there's one scene where someone says something and it kind of comes out of the blue. Okay. And we were talking, we kind of want to set that up a little bit better beforehand. But Fantastic. It's
3: primarily shot and she's got it mostly edited. There's just a few things left. So how, how long would you, how many days would you say that you did principal photography for? Was it a week? Was it a couple of days? Was it a month? I would go about ten days. Now September I wasn't there for every
5: day. I shot okay. for about ten days. There were some times when I was working before uh-huh. all the current plague, <laughs> okay, where yeah. where um, uh, Ivy went and shot without me. But
3: I would say I probably shot about eighty percent of the film, and nice. then she shot the other twenty. percent And what did you post it on? Uh, did you? What, what did you do your editing on? Adobe Premiere. Premiere. Okay.
4: Um, that. Works well with After Effects, and that's yes. part of the reason I chose. Uh, yeah, it's kind of you're It was the
3: Adobe Suite. It was the Adobe Suite products. Yeah. It was. Okay. So when the film is done, what are your intentions in terms of getting it out there? I mean, are like film festivals, or are you trying to find a uh, like a means of maybe streaming distribution or we DVDs are, or?
4: We are actually looking into um, uh, distribution through. Um, a couple different companies. I'm in talks with them. Mm-hmm. I we just start talking about it, okay. so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's still.
3: Uh-huh. In well, the... I mean, since it's not done yet, that, exactly. that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, but Basically, streaming and pay per view type things. Okay. Wow. Hulu, Amazon. Well, I'm gonna look for it. <laughs> nice. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> and, and again, the title of the film. Scent of betrayal. Scent of betrayal. The scent of betrayal. Okay, and the title does enter into the plot. It does. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to leave that where it is, uh, since um, that that title has a lot in in terms of what you how you can interpret it. Um, We're going to take a real quick break right now, but when we come back, we're going to talk about another uh, production that you worked on uh, that was a story that John created called Metastases, and we'll be right back. We'll be back after the break.
1: Welcome back to User-Friendly 2.0. We are rejoining Steve Mailer and his interview in progress.
3: Well, thanks, Bill. We're uh, talking with uh, John Allen and Ivy Smith, two aspiring filmmakers. And now we're talking about a project that John wrote called Metastases. Now, I remember doing pre-production with you on this about four years ago, and I remember the story being very much akin to or inspired by Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Did the story stay that way?
5: Uh, yeah, it did. It, it's kind of a... I'd say the theme is kind of a universal theme, because actually the inspiration came from a Ray Bradbury short story called Fever Dream. Awesome. And uh, it's really one of my favorite short stories. Very good. Very subtle. This is more psychological. There okay. may be one, what you would kind of classify as a jump scare. It's not really a jump scare, but okay. there's a shocking scene in there. Oh. But for the most part, it's mostly psychological. It's basically about a man. He's dying of cancer, but he refused to have an operation. Okay. Okay. Um, So the title makes sense. But what he finds out is that instead of killing him, it is replacing him cell by cell or body part by body part. And the majority of the film is him trying to convince his brother-in-law, who is a cancer doctor, an oncologist who's been treating him to kill him because he knows that this is going to be dangerous. And of course, nobody believes
3: him. But there's a surprise in store. Okay. (laughs) All right. And this is something that is already a a completed film. It's done. It's uh, going through the festival circuit
5: right now. It's already played at one festival. I've got three or four more that are talking about it in... uh, we went to put in one festival, they said that uh, it didn't fit in with their timing, which I don't know, okay. maybe they're just being nice. Okay. But uh, they did say that this uh, operation called Shorts TV, which is on cable and plays short films, would uh-huh. be contacting
3: us because nice. they watch all the short films. Okay. They try to pick up as many as they can. So you may end up on a cable network? Yes. Well, that would be very, very cool. So what role did you play in the production of Metastases? Metastases. Well, I paid for everything. That's the most important part. <laughs> so
5: you were the producer. I was the producer. Okay. Um, I also wrote the script and I directed... Uh Ivy, of course, she did okay. some of the audio. Uh, okay. She's my producer. Really, I couldn't have got it done without her because she does all the stuff I don't want to do. Well, you <laughs> the, 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 the typical <laughs> job of a producer. <laughs> and, uh, okay. But it was also shot with my all-girl crew, uh, a friend of ours, Eddie Eichelbosch, shot oh, okay. the majority of the video I did. Well, she's pickup. a very talented young lady. She is. And uh, I did some of the pickup shots and a few reshoots. Okay. But for the most part, that's how it went. And then I edited it, of course.
3: And, and how long is it? Uh, it is about 20 minutes, about 21 minutes. Perfect for Netflix. Yes, yes. All right. So how do you feel metastases turned out as a finished project? Is it, is it much what you envisioned in your mind? Oh, pretty much exactly. Okay. Uh, the good thing is uh, we decided to go with professional actors or local
5: actors, but okay. professionals. And we actually went to a talent agency and paid to oh, wow. go through auditions. Okay. People read from the script. And then we pick some very talented uh, actors. Uh, Dan Lord, he plays the doctor. It's a three-person show. Dan Lord plays the doctor. Chase McKenna plays the uh, the wife of the man who's dying. And Sarah. Man, Sarah. Okay. And the man who's dying, Jim, is uh,
3: played by Darren Miller. Oh, um, I wish there's, so there's no way people can see this right now because I'm dying to see this movie. Um, well, I can get you a copy. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are planning to uh, to put it out where people can see it. We're
5: kind of thinking about putting it on our website, evilchurchmouse.com. Oh, you, you okay.
3: Now is and this, then this, and this people could pay like 99 cents to see it. We're going to keep it pretty low. So this is a joint website. So you guys have created like a, a production company. company. Oh, yes. wow. Yes. Well, a, okay. So what is that website again? It's
4: evilchurchmouse.com.
3: Mm-hmm evilchurchmouse.com <laughs> okay who came up with that title that for was <laughs>
4: that was kind of a combination i had one that was called evil mouse okay and john had one that was chapel
5: chapel perilous, chapel the one perilous. I okay. it, but, yeah.
4: and so then i was like how can we combine these two wow. because we're a team
3: now so what other projects are you guys involved in
5: um, actually, right now we're planning on doing another short story called "The Lonesome Place," which is uh, based on a short story by a writer named August Derleth. Okay. And uh, we just—funny the timing on this. Just yesterday, we were kind of looking for a place to do it, and we found the place, and it's perfect for it. Now, is that up in Virginia City? No, no. Actually, that is out in, in
3: Lockwood, <laughs> oh. uh, just east oh, okay. of uh, just east of Sparks. Right. Because I know you guys, in in some of our talks before this interview, I knew you guys were doing some on-location scouting yesterday. Right. Okay. Nice. We
5: did go up to Virginia City, but we also found this place. I just happened to spot it from the highway, and the place is absolutely perfect for the story.
3: Well, it sounds like you're an aspiring team, and we certainly look forward to seeing everything that's coming down the pike with you guys. Keep up the great work, and I hope I end up on one of your sets sometime. Okay. We would love to have you. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on User Friendly. Uh, Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, back to you in the studio. We'll be back after the break. After
1: Welcome back. This is user-friendly 2.0. Jeremy Gretchen. Hey. So, you have been doing a little research, I know, or actually a lot of research, on the history of comics and comic books and that type of thing. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, and it just seemed like an interesting topic to dig
2: a little deeper into. So, what have you guys found out? Okay. The first known comic book that I can find is called The Adventures of Obadiah Oldbuck by a uh, Swiss artist, Rudolf Topfer, if I'm, if I'm pronouncing that okay. correctly. Yep, that sounds like a Swiss <laughs> name. <laughs> it was published in 1837. Okay. So it that's... is a 40-page uh, graphic novel. It's eight and a half by 11. It was stitched on the side, and it's 6 to 12 panels per page of art with a little tiny bit of text underneath
0: them. And the fun thing about it is I I looked at the artwork that Jeremy showed me from his research, and this looks like the old style artwork that used to be in the nursery rhymes or the fairy tale books that we used to have as kids. Okay. All right. It's, uh, they're black and white. They're like lithographs or something like that.
2: They were drawn on antimony. So obviously they were etched and then printed. What is antimony? That's a metal. Okay. All right. So they were etched, and they were printed so almost uh, would this be kind of like a woodcut maybe yes, it's similar yeah okay okay so but so more detail is this is eighteen thirty seven he started publishing a comic book uh, an actual comic strip in a paper and um it gets gets published into into a bunch of languages in Europe, and then it goes to England and it becomes the first printed comic book in the u s in new york in 1846
0: okay (laughs) that was a while ago so
2: they (laughs) they they ran copies of it until 1877
0: wow and this kind of goes along at the same time we start seeing what i call um pulp magazines you know the the dime novel the penny dreadful and which later on turned into the Pulp magazines were amazing stories and Mm. sci-fi and fantasy stories were. Weird tales. (laughs) So at the same time, this stuff is being developed almost like on a parallel. Right, right. right. Okay, so now we've got the the
2: modern newspaper. And we have something that you may have heard of called The Yellow Kid. Okay. Now, it's published from a a comic strip called Hogan's Alley. This is a huge book. It's 196 pages. It was fifty cents. Okay, it was print, wow. printed in black and white, and this was published in eighteen ninety seven. Okay, this comic strip, uh, Hogan's Alley, ran in uh, Joseph Pulitzer's New York World and later William Randolph Hearst's New York Journal. Okay, and then they took these these strips and ran them, uh, combined them into a book and published it. It's one hundred ninety six pages. That's gigantic. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. are fifty cents, right. Well, at the time, it was more money, I guess, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's, that's the start of what's called the Platinum Age of Comics. That's 1897 to 1838. This is where we get uh, peop- things you've heard of, the Cats and Jammer Kids, Little
0: Nemo, Mutt and Jeff, and... Um, These are things that my mom have referred okay, so to. Yeah. Some mm-hmm. of them it might have even been turned into radio stuff mm-hmm. and things like that. Okay. We've it's, got Barney Google in this era... Little Orphan
2: Annie starts publishing, and um, we get, at this time, the Chicago Tribune formed Popular Comics and ran comic books with Dick Tracy, Little Orphan Annie, Skippy, Mutt and Jeff, and stuff called Gasoline Alley. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you know, then we've got, in 1936, they started publishing The Phantom, (laughs)
0: <laughs> I actually have a, a, a phantom comic yeah. book, but it's not that old.
2: <laughs> and um, we also start getting uh, United Features Syndicate. I'm sure you've heard of them. And in 1938, they published comic books with Tarzan uh, and Bronco Bill and Little Abner. So 1938
1: is when it switched eras. What Now, is this just a time frame that someone's decided on? Or
2: how does it... It's basically uh, an idea behind what's in the comic books and what kind of characters are being produced. Okay. So, the Golden Age is, called, is 1938 to 1956. Okay. And 1938 starts with um, June and Action Comics number one. Okay. If you've ever heard of that, that's where Superman shows up. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So, that was his first comic book is Action Comics. Detective Comics number twenty-seven, we get Batman. This nineteen thirty-nine, uh, Marvel Comics number one, which is from October of thirty-nine, we start getting Namor the Submariner, the Human Torch, the Angel, and uh, a character I don't know anything about called Kazar. Okay. Um, in nineteen forty, we get Captain Marvel, the Flash, and Green Lantern. Okay. Um, in nineteen forty, Detective Comics number twenty-eight, Robin shows up for Batman. So he gets his sidekick.
0: And tell tell us what happens
2: afterwards. Okay, now this is this is a part you've heard of, I know. Um Robin shows up and then he's so popular everybody gets a sidekick. Okay. <laughs> you remember Superboy? Right, right. Okay, how about Kid Flash? Or Flash Jr. It's just, everybody gets a sidekick. It's just like, okay, wait a minute. So everybody (laughs) needs a little buddy. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, this work. now we're going to do it everywhere, right? Yeah. So this is also the era of the Justice Society, uh, the Flash, Green Lantern, Spectre, Hawkman, Doctor Fate, Hourman, the Sandman, Adam, and Johnny Thunder. Okay. This is like groups of superheroes doing stuff that's important. Um, All-Star Comics number eight, 1941, we get Wonder Woman. Okay. March 1941, Captain America. Uh, for 1941 also there's a, a small comic book company that publishes pet comics in issue number 22 although there are superheroes on the cover um a story in the very back of the book about a young man with uh in a love triangle with two beautiful girls his name is archie andrews you may have heard of him i've heard of vr yeah 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 he becomes so popular they be they form archie
0: comics Wow. <laughs> and one thing to think about, like with Wonder Woman coming out in 1941, mm-hmm. you have to think about what was happening in the world. Yeah. Right now, you had that that time you had World War II. And that's why Wonder Woman is not a World War I character. She's a World War II character. She was in love with um Major Steve Trevor, mm-hmm. who was very much a World War II army guy. And so when you see the TV series, that's why he's dressed the way he is and the way she is.
2: Oh,
1: that's
0: so we're
2: going to we're gonna have to make another role, volume of this. Yeah,
1: we'll pick it up with the next couple of uh, eras uh, next week. This is great. We'll be back after the break. <laughs> Welcome back, a user friendly two point Great show this week. You know, comic books. Yeah. So I I I would never have known they went back to the eighteen hundreds. That was really kind of an interesting piece
2: of information. Yeah. So, well, I mean, the, the, you got to imagine it's a book in printed form, so you got either pictures or words. So it's kind of yeah,
1: you know just uh, it's just really cool. cool. Well, as we enter day forty one of our fourteen day lockdown. Um, a lot of companies are trying to help us you know just do things that are kind of fun Ikea is one that's been closed down for a while now but I understand you can get the recipe for the Swedish meatballs
2: yeah if you, if you search for it you'll find the actual recipe uh, you use uh, ground beef uh, ground pork, onion, garlic breadcrumbs, an egg whole milk and then salt and pepper make your, make your meatballs and they gave you the cream sauce recipe too so you can use the you know it looks like Oil, butter, flour, vegetable stock, beef stock, and double cream, which I have never heard of. And apparently two
0: teaspoons of soy sauce and
2: Dijon mustard.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, you you can
2: make your own IKEA meatballs, which I'm missing right now. I'll have to give that a shot. Okay, we'll go ahead and
1: put a link to that out on our social media this week. So you two can do your own uh, Swedish meatballs. And if you try this out, let us know how it goes. Yeah. For me, cooking usually doesn't
0: end well, but I will give
1: it a shot. And, I love uh,
0: IKEA. Yeah, I, you know, I miss being able to get those cute little. They're I I call them ice cream cones, uh, but they're actually yeah.
1: frozen yogurt. Yeah, and they're so good. <laughs> I, I enjoy just walking around IKEA. It's kind of a fun thing to do and look at all the stuff and uh, figure out what you want to do. <laughs> I actually need a bookshelf, and I've it's become kind of weird because it's uh, I got you can't cur- go there and get there and get it. And, get it. and, I, and, and yeah. they've stopped doing curbside pickup too, so it's like you know, it's not even possible to order. But uh, anyway. Better days will get here again, and when they do, one of the things I plan to do is go back to Ikea. And one other question that we've had come in is how to clean and disinfect your smartphone, because that's something you take out with you, and you know it gets the normal fingerprints and that type of thing on it too, but there are some do's and some don'ts with this, and one of the don'ts is to immerse it in any kind of a liquid. You don't want to use household chemicals, bleach, that type of thing, because that can definitely damage it. It's an electronic item. The experts say that Clorox wipes won't damage the phone's screen. So if you can get wipes, that might be a way to do it. What I use and what has worked well for me is you can get screen cleaner. It's available to order online through Amazon Best Buy, and you can probably find it at the store if they sell those type of products. And uh, it's just something that you use to clean off the screen and then use a microfiber cloth to get the the prints off and that type of a thing. You don't want to scratch it either. So you do have to be a little bit careful when you're choosing what to do. The other thing they've come out with is a clean light. It's a UV light that you can actually use on your phone and other products that the idea, at least, or what they're telling us, is that it kills germs. Now, UV has been proven to do that. I wasn't able to find any research on COVID-19 specifically for this, but it also might be something to consider. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge
2: user-friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020 user-friendly media group inc the views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the hosts and not necessarily user-friendly media group inc or this station music licensing by bmi hosting provided by we are podcast available at the answerportland.com or userfriendlyshow.com.